0: Who here um, has heard of ChatGPT? Just wondering who. Okay, we're 75% of us on the same page. Um, So ChatGPT is this artificial intelligence that has probably started a long time ago, but now it's kind of confected and you can go on there. I have ChatGPT, I don't use it a lot, but I was trying to use ChatGPT to help me think of a riddle to tell you all, but ChatGPT is like really bad at riddles. Try it, ask ChatGPT to write you a riddle, it's awful. So I, I came up with one myself because I think I'm, I'm better than ChatGPT right now, which you can be the judge of that. Um, but what is something that everyone has the same amount of and some people value with extreme like, protection and just joy and other people feel that it's totally useless? What is, you got it, yep. It's not love, but it's a good one. Faith? Not it? could Maybe? I don't know. Water, yeah. Humility. Humility? Is that it? Time. time. Me and you can talk afterwards. Good work. Um, I'm a big fan of, of keeping things in perspective. Um, so all of us are given 24 hours in a day, right? No one gets 25 hours or gets 16 hours. We all get the same amount of time. Uh, but one thing that always helps me, uh, especially when it's getting darker out and it feels like we have less of something that we have actually the same amount besides sunlight, right? Um, is we all, have, we all have time and we all have an, an invitation today to really keep things in perspective. And the, 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 the Lord works through St. Paul in, in the letter to Thessalonians. I want to talk about this in a second. But one thing I, I find very interesting when we look at 24 hours in a day and we look at you know, percentages and, and looking at facts is like 1% of the day is 15 minutes, 1% of the day is 15 minutes. And we look at that, what, what, what Jesus is calling us to, like he doesn't ask for like 1% of us. He doesn't ask for, you know, 75%. He asks for 100%, 100% of us. And I remember when I, when I heard this because I was being encouraged to, in seminary, pray for one hour a day, which is what, 4% of the day, if you look at the numbers. Um, I, was, I was realizing I, I'm barely giving the Lord anything. And I'd be challenged with, with readings like this. St. Paul's writing to the people of Thessalonica, right? So he's, he's, he's been writing to us for the past few weeks. And he says, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cares for her children. With such affection for you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, which I going to talk about in a second, but also our very selves. Talk about St. John Paul II a couple weeks ago. And he, he said, the purpose of life is for man to make an utter and sincere gift of self. The purpose of, of your life, my life, is to make a gift of ourselves, to give ourselves away completely. Again, not 1%, not 2%, but when the two become one flesh, it's so important that, that, that they're, they're all in. Today is also Vocations Awareness Sunday, so we're, we're called as Awareness of what the Lord's calling each of us to. So for sure, we have to know that all of us are called to holiness. The Lord calls every single person. He calls you each by name. And he has a specific plan for your life. And how we we discover that plan is is primarily through what is known as the gospel. When I ask couples sometimes when I'm doing marriage, I ask, what what is the gospel to you? Or what is the gospel? And they say, it's the good news, which is true. And I says, "What, what is the good news? And then usually I hear crickets. And I'm not there to play gotcha with them. I'm not I'm not trying to do that. Maybe they could go on chat GPT now and look it up. But I think it's so important that we, we truly know what the gospel message is because one thing the gospel message does for us is it doesn't leave any room for like indifference. Like there's no there's there's not an option like when I hear the gospel proclaim the, the good news, extraordinary good news of Jesus Christ, there's like no option to say, eh, maybe. It's either I completely reject it or I fully accept it. So St. Paul is, is, is preaching the gospel. He's preaching the extraordinary good news, the mind-blowing good news of Jesus Christ to the people of Thessalonica. And, and when I heard the gospel the first time, that the thing is, what I received was, was hope. I realized one thing the gospel allows you and I to do is that we can change. Sometimes we think, I'm, I'm so deep in, I'm always going to be a one percenter. It's just going to be the way my life is. I'm just too busy. Whatever my excuses are, whatever my my trauma has been. But the, but the, the gospel, like for sure, one thing it offers each of us is this hope that we can change. When you look through the history of the church, there's just so many people who heard the gospel and they had this, just this desire to surrender everything over to the living person of Jesus Christ. And if we have never heard the gospel or it's, or it's been proclaimed to us in a way that we didn't understand, I just want to go through a brief presentation of the gospel today so we know when St. Paul says why he had such affection for the, for his, for the people, why he desired to share this with, with them, but also why he desired to share himself, to make a gift of himself. So the way the gospel has been presented to me is, is, is in four questions. Why is there something instead of nothing? Why is everything so screwed up? What, if anything, has God done about it? And how should I respond? So why is there something instead of nothing? It's a great question for us to ask. Like, where did all this come from? The, the biblical answer, the biblical worldview would say that a God who created a universe that, that is 90 plus billion light years across, which is more than our minds can ever comprehend, he created it all effortlessly. He created galaxies. He created stars. Um, he, and he knows each one of them by name. But what he desired more than anything was a relationship with you and me. That was his primary desire. Out of the the billions and billions of stars, hundreds of billions of stars, he desired a relationship with you and me. He desired for us to have communion, to have harmony. That was his original plan. Which goes to the next question, like, what the hell happened? Like, what what went wrong? Well, again, this God who created a universe that is 90 plus billion light years across, he he also created angels. And one angel chose to rebel out of envy of you and me. Because God loves us more than the angels. And God desired, desired a, a deeper relationship with you and I more than the angels. So what the the, the, what the angel chose to do, who was good, but chose to rebel, again, out of envy of you and I, wanting us to suffer, he tricked our first parents of Adam and Eve into believing somehow that God is not good. He tricked them into believing somehow that God is distanced, God is not interested in in my life, or the pains or struggles I'm going through, that God does not want you and I to be happy. He tricked them. He tricked them. That God's in competition with me. He wants to take things away. So when Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, when they grabbed for the fruit in the tree, they, what they did is they sold the whole human race into powers that we can't compete against, powers of sin and death. Certain parts of scriptures say that sin is all capital letters. It's it's a power. It's like a government. It's like a dominion. Um, And and you and I can't compete against sin. We we have no chance against sin. Just ask yourself, have you ever done something you didn't want to do? You knew it was wrong and you did it anyways. Oh, you should be going like, yeah, all the time, right? Like every day, right? Or as when I'm with students and they'll come to me sometimes. Father, I don't think this particular thing is a big deal. I don't think underage drinking is a big deal. I don't think hookah culture is a big deal. I don't think cheating on a test is a big deal. I don't think being on my phone for eight plus hours a day is a big deal. Which then I respond back with, okay, since you said it's not a big deal, I'm gonna stop doing it. And you can't, right? And, and, and sin and death are, are powers again, right? So, when we're under this dominion, like to know how bad hell is and what Jesus saved us from, the best image has been given to me of like like, how bad hell is and how bad Satan is. Imagine yourself being human trafficked. You've been captured. You're in a room. You're all by yourself. You're bound up. You get abused and no one's coming for you and that's going to be your life. No hope. No way out. Which goes in the third question of, which is, what, if anything, has God done about it? See, so there you are. You're in the room, bound up, tied up. Life is awful. Complete despair, complete darkness. But one day, this, this gentleman walks in the room, and he comes in front of you, and he puts his hand on your shoulder. That kind of scares you because you don't want to be touched because it's, it's it just means mean you're going to be abused. But when you open your eyes... He just looks at you with the greatest amount of love you've ever experienced. And he's just emitting peace and hope. And he just begins to unbind you. And he starts to walk you to the threshold of the door. And he wants you to walk through it. But that kind of scares you because you know who's, who's out there, you know who's been making your life a living hell. But what he, when you walk through the threshold, you see the human trafficker, the evil one, the, the enemy, the devil. You see him all bound up now. So this is what Jesus is doing on the cross. We have to remember that Jesus is God, right? So you can't put God on a cross to pay the penalty of your sins unless he actually wants to be there. Yes, the cross does many things. It reveals for sure the Father's love to us. Like you are that important. But if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for you. He's also making atonement on the cross, right? So he's, he's taking the penalty of sin, of your sin, of every sin ever committed throughout all eternity upon himself. But also what he's doing is he's fighting for you because God wants his family back. He doesn't want you and I to be separate. He doesn't want you to wonder, am I known? Am I known by name? Am I unique? Am I seen by him? So when Jesus took all that upon himself on the cross and then he, he died and he rose from the dead, what he was also doing is he was going behind enemy lines because he doesn't want anyone to ever be separate from him. Again, that was never his plan. And again, if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have done that for you. He would have went, went back to get you back, to bring you back into communion with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit if you were the only person on earth, which goes in the fourth question. Like, if that's true, how should I respond? St. Paul says in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It offers life-saving hope. It liberates us. It sets us free from these things that you and I cannot compete against. And if, 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 and if Jesus has gone to war with sin and death, if he's wanted, wanted to win me back, if he's done that much to, to take out the human trafficker, so to speak, if he's done that just for me, like isn't the response to trust him? Isn't the response to, to give him everything, not just like 1%, but to give him everything? And I remember when I heard the, this gospel, and I, I never get tired of hearing it, even as I preach it, I, I love hearing it. Because one thing it does is it gives us hope. that like No one's too far gone. There's not one sin he can't forgive. But then there's also people out there who don't know this, this good news. And a lot of these people who are the Thessalonians are a lot of people like who are on campus who don't know this. And the thing is, the message does the work for you. And I've just devoted myself to memorizing this gospel presentation. There's different gospel presentations, but I've just made a goal to share this with at least one person a week and to see who the Lord puts it for me. And again, it's, why is there something instead of nothing? Why is everything so messed up? What if anything has God done about it? And how should I respond? So Saint Paul shared, in essence, this message to people who didn't know that God knows them by name. But he didn't want to just share the message. He also wanted to, instead of walking the or talking the talk, he wanted to walk the walk. He was walking with them shoulder to shoulder to help them understand this God who is love, who loves them that much. And he says, "You recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery." Some of you on this campus, you are working your butts off. And I just want to say, if that's you, if you're, if you're grinding, if you're like, I'm toiling, I'm, it's, it's judging, it's so hard to get people to commit. It's so hard to get people to open up. It's so hard to get people to trust. Like if, that's, if that's been your heart, I just want to say, like I'm, I'm in, the, in the trenches with you, but I'm proud of you. Because this is a battle. And it's, it's, a, it's a battle for us to know this gospel, for people to be, sh- to be known, for people to be loved, for people to be set free. One thing the gospel does is it sets us free from things that we can't be set free from. And because people accepted it, St. Paul, he had this sense of, of, of giving thanks unceasingly. There were no percentages for Paul because people received it. They didn't reject it. They didn't say, they didn't say I'm going to be indifferent. They didn't say any of that. They received it. And, and, and I'm not saying that was easy for them. It's not an easy message to accept, but if it's true, it changes everything. But that means if you have good news and everyone's looking for hope, I don't know one person that's looking for hope, then we have to, to receive this gospel and we have to learn how to share it with others. And one way of, of, of doing that is spending time with the master who Jesus talked about in the, in the gospel today. Like, who are we that we can just pick up the Bible, we can carry our rosary, we can spend time in front of the God of the universe in the Holy Eucharist? Like, who are we to have this gift? St. Paul had this, this humility about him, but he also had this zeal and this fire that the message had to be shared and the thing is, maybe you're thinking like, I can't share that with somebody else. I can't. I can't. And you're right. You can't. But God can. We always have to remember that nothing is impossible for God. And the pressure is not on you. The way this was presented to me is that, is that you're just called to be a mailman. You're just delivering the message. The message does the work for you. As we, and we've been going through this for, those, for people who are interested in becoming Catholic, and even as I was sitting there this, this, this evening, um, people are saying, I just feel so much relief. I feel so much freedom. I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Like, I'm so amazed that it's all about family. And so many people, you know, they, they just, they don't, they don't know that. And St. Paul wanted this community to know that, to, to know this. And again, again, not to burden them, but to know that they were worth the fight. They were worth the toil. They were worth the drudgery. They were worth the sacrifices. And that's one thing the gospel also helps us know is our worth, our value to Jesus. Your value and my value to Jesus is his blood. There's no dollar amount for a human being. And when you receive that and you accept that, um, you'll be able to see what St. Paul says when he says at the end of this, today's reading, he says, you receive not human word, but what is truly the word of God, which is now at work in you who believe. So we all have a choice every day to, to believe. And w- if we believe, the one thing we will receive is more hope, more freedom, more relief. But then we also have to be willing to fight for souls to help people know this 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 Jesus. So will you at least give Jesus this week one percent? Who dies and has died for you and will continue to die for you because he finds you worth it? He knows you by name. And he want he wants his family back. Or could you up it a little more to two percent or three percent? ChatGPT can't save you. That'd be a cool thing, a cool tool. But only the gospel can save us. And that God, who is Jesus, will be on this altar in just a moment out of love for you. So it should be a sense of like, I feel so honored that even when I give him very little, he gives me everything and he's trying to teach us to turn, turn the tables and give him everything. So we just pause and we contemplate that. Am I all in? Am I toiling? Am I fighting the good fight? Or have I fallen into some sense of laziness and slothfulness? If you're finding yourself falling into laziness, slothfulness, just not even giving the Lord 1%, it's not so hard. All you do have to do is ask the Lord to save you, to set you free, to surrender to him, to stop fighting him. And watch what he'll do. Amen.